let's get things kicking off here. Once again, welcome to this PBS 101 edition to our Tuesdays at 2. We do appreciate having you all joining us, and uh, we're going to get things started. One announcement I need to make before we start is this will be recorded. It is being recorded at this time. Just want to ask you, please don't uh, try to summarize or screenshot or anything like that and post to you know Facebook or, or even text in with your friends, uh, whatever. We are recording these so that we can make them available to you on our YouTube channel and our podcast outlet server. So you're going to be able to go back and reference this information. You're going to be able to uh, go over it with your friends and kind of pick it apart however you like. So there's really no need to kind of summarize and, and, and take things and rebroadcast them out to the public. That What can happen a lot of times is things are, might be taken out of context. We would just assume you go to our, our YouTube outlet or the podcast channel and just hear it straight from the message here Uh Remember, this is a public forum. You know, we invite any and all people here to join in and get this information right for themselves so they can get as accurate of information as possible as we have access to. So I uh, would appreciate your cooperation in that point. And last week's uh, PBS 101 is already posted to the YouTube channel. And you can find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at S-C-A-M-E-C. YouTube has handles now, so you can just go ahead and type in youtube.com slash at symbol S-C-A-M-E-C. And the S-C-A-M-E-C pilot podcast channel is available, and that's if you search under Sun Country Airline Pilots uh, Podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sun Country Airlines MEC podcast. That's the name of it. S Sun Country Airlines MEC podcast. If you search that, you'll find it on any of your favorite podcast apps that you have out there. We're available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, you name it. If you get your podcast somewhere, we're on it. With that being said, I see Tim and Katie are both here. I'm not sure which one's going to kick it off, but I know they both have all kinds of great information. And I'm just going to toss things over to uh, either Tim or Katie. Go ahead and take us away into PBS. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I'm Katie. I'll be presenting today. Okay, so today we're just going to start with uh, our second edition of the introductions to basics of PBS. Um, the... If you're curious about the first one, um, either if you were able to attend and just want to recap, or if you weren't able to attend and you want more in-depth um, knowledge of kind of the basics that we started with, um, you can get that on the YouTube channel or on the podcast. Um, I'm going to go through a quick review of last week's information, but you can get a greater understanding from that, uh, from that first podcast episode. So, all right, so we're going to start with what PBS does not do. It does not build trips. Um, some of the misconception is that if you put all the flights in, that PBS will actually build trips in addition to schedules, to lines, and that is not the case. The scheduling committee and crew planning will still continue to build the trips via S3. Um, and so, 
they will be set up as trips are now, which means the inefficient flying that we have is still going to be the inefficient flying that we will have in PBS. So those could still cause bad schedules in the PBS system. So just know that PBS isn't going to solve those issues. Long trips um, for now are going to remain as a paper bid and as an early bid, um, just for the foreseeable future until we can maybe figure out how they could be implemented into PBS. But for now, they're going to remain as a paper bid. And just remember, um, you'll no longer be paired as a crew for the entire month. PBS will um, basically assign trips per pilot as desired. So you won't be paired up with the same person for the entire month. And um, the FOs will still have the ability to avoid flying with captains, but there won't be a pairing for the entire month. PBS will not give you everything you want. I think that's also a big misconception is it's kind of a wish list and you get more, you know, more of what you want. And PBS actually just takes some of your desires and, you know, your positive and negative choices and applies them to a schedule. So just understand that you may have more choice in, in how you build your schedule, but you will not get everything you want. Um, and also just a reminder that it does not process any trip trades, open time trades, etc. All of those functions will remain in eCrew. So it literally is just a schedule line building system and then everything else is still transferred into eCrew. So the solver logic, um, it basically, Nablu builds all of the lines from, from trips that are in the unallocated trip pool. It's a top-down process. Um, it does not verify that everyone can have a legal line uh, for every line that's built. Some of you might be familiar with the systems that kind of do a, a global feasibility thing that some of us are, are accustomed to, where it goes through and looks to make sure everyone can have a legal line. Navblue does not do that. It does a top-down, builds lines legal in a seniority order. So um, once trips are placed in your line, they are not traded out to subsidized junior lines, which may occur in other systems. And um, there are some exceptions for the trade out feature, depending on what you have put in for your preferences. But in general, the senior pilot um, will get their preferences honored before the junior pilots without um, trying to shuffle around to make a junior line legal. So in that sense, NABLU more closely rewards preferences in seniority order, which again, other systems weren't always, they didn't always operate like that. What does PBS do? It allows pilots to enter preferences and an algorithm builds each line in seniority order uses the concept of unallocated pairings pool. So all of the trips are in the unallocated pairings pool are what are assigned to the lines. And it uses positive and negative bid preferences to build a line. So the positive and negative bid preferences. Negative bid preferences will remove trips from the unallocated pool. 
So if you prefer, you know, Saturdays and Sundays off, you don't want red eyes, it'll start removing those trips from the unallocated pool so that um, it can attempt to not assign them to your line. And then the positive preferences will take trips from the unallocated pairing school and attempt to add them to your line. If you want day trips, if you want to work Thursdays, it, it will attempt to put those pairings on your schedule. Again, remember, it will not give you everything you want. As lines are built in seniority order, PBS will have to begin to deny preferences or utilize your lower priority preferences in order to build legal lines or cover trips for the more, the more senior pilots don't want to fly. So eventually, your I want weekends off, I, don't, I, I want to avoid red eyes, it will try to do that, but if that's if there's no flying left to do that, then it will have to um, start denying some of those preferences. So four ways NavBlue can force flying. Denial mode. So it gets to the point where if everybody bid for weekends off, it can no longer build legal lines for anybody unless they work weekends. So that's uh, the denial mode. So if a legal line cannot be built with the trips that remain in the allocated trip pool, they'll start assigning them to lines. Coverage awards or unstacking. Um, as lines are built in seniority order, stacks of open time begin to build up. And NavBlue monitors the stacks constantly as it builds lines from the top down. And at a critical point, trips in the stack will be forced onto lines to ensure open trips aren't concentrated on too few days. So it will ensure that you know, 20 some trips don't stack up on one day that can't be covered. So you'll hear a lot about stacking and unstacking um, as we go through the whole education process of, of PBS. Shuffle mode. Uh, when higher priority bid preferences won't allow a legal line to be built, lower priority bid preferences are utilized to try to build a legal line. Shuffle is utilized prior to denial mode. So before it'll straight up deny you something, it'll try to use some of your lower preferences to build you a line before it just says, all right, I can't do it. Now we're going to go into denial mode. And then secondary line generation, uh, if shuffle and denial mode still can't build a legal line, then bid preferences are ignored and intent to build a legal line. So at that point, it would be like, nothing can build you a legal line, so we're going to ha have to ignore some of your preferences to build you a line. And then, so when the schedules come out, um, if you're not, if you weren't awarded what you were expecting to be awarded or you think that something is wrong, the nice part about NavBlue is it gives a reasons report. And so when it can't comply with requested preferences, the reasons report will provide documentation for how and why preferences were denied. So if you're not understanding why you weren't awarded or were awarded something you weren't expecting or vice versa, you can check the reasons report first and it should be able to explain why you didn't get what you expected to get. And then uh, after that, if, if the reasons report still doesn't make sense, you could call a help desk. But the reasons report is kind of the first spot to stop and, and try to understand why you're not getting the schedule that you expected. 
So that's the end of the review of the first part. That was kind of the first session that we did um, two weeks ago. And again, if you want a greater in-depth explanation, you can go to the YouTube channel or the podcast and you can get a greater understanding of everything I just covered. So, so now we're going to move on to the new information. So in our PBS system, we plan for planned activities and known absences. So planned activities would be something that is put on your schedule in place of um, a day of availability. So like, let's say a planned activity is training or maybe it's a day of elbow work or something. So something like that might be considered a planned activity where known absence is something that is put on your schedule where you are unavailable to be assigned for work. So that would be uh, a leave of some sort or a vacation, um, something along those lines. So airlines use the PBS system initially to minimize conflicts, correct? So a lot of our vacation or our um, leave or something might conflict with trips on a, in a line bidding world. But in PBS, those can be put on before the bid is generated so that the conflicts can be um, scheduled around those known activities and absences. So they're placed on the lines before you bid. Recurrent training will be bid for in a module before the monthly bid. So that would be placed on your schedule before you bid for your monthly schedule. And your schedule is built around those recurrent training dates and is no longer assigned on days off. And this applies um, to military leave, FMLA, et cetera, if those are known in advance. It doesn't preclude something from popping up last minute or whatever, but this is just the best way to try to plan for any um, activities or absences that could create conflicts in the schedule. Vacation is a known absence. So there's no more trip touching with vacation which I know concerns some folks. Um, these conflicts will go away, and so relief lines and initial open time will also go away. But just know that line improvement period remains. So we will lose the uh, initial open time, but line improvement stays. And I know there's gonna be a lot of questions about this and how it will um, affect the quality of life on the schedules and stuff. So just know that we are planning a future Tuesdays at two to share what pilots at other airlines can do with their weekly vacation, VRDs, golden days off, et cetera, to mimic trip touching and maintain better quality of life. And there's lots of good ideas around the industry, and we're trying to pull from some of those um, ideas to, to address um, the trip touching going away and the initial open time going away. So, now, the planned activities, the known absences, everything are put in the schedule. The staffing levels are known. So that's when crew planning takes all of the planned activities, known absences, the staffing levels, and known flying, and determines the plan for the upcoming month, monthly bid. So they'll take all of that and kind of start running the system to sort of see where the numbers are falling. And what the, what the potential schedules could look like. And that gives them a better idea of how to set the numbers for the upcoming monthly bid. 
This includes the average line value, how many projected line holders, the reserve staffing, et cetera. So all of that is kind of done in the window between the training award, training bid award, and um, the monthly bid opening is um, just determining what numbers the company is going to use for the for the following monthly bid. Some general concepts of NavBlue PDS. So I just talked about average line value. That is the projected average credit time of all regular lines in a position in a bid month. It is planned ahead of the monthly bid and is indicated in a bid package. So this is the number that you'll see in the bid package, and that is the, the number that they're shooting for as an average on everyone's schedule. These are the average line values across some of the uh, companies in the industry. So um, Frontier ALV is um, 75 to 87. Spirit 72 to 84. That's uh, come down recently from their, from their last agreement. Alaska Airlines TA, which um, I'm sorry, uh, CBA, which is going to go into effect. I think it's their PBS goes into effect April of next year is uh, 72 to 85. Delta's newest numbers um, for the narrow bodies. We have this is about the same, but the um, we have updated information later on here. But 72 to 84 hours for the narrow bodies and JetBlue is 74 to 86. Now the normal credit window, this is a range of credit time based on ALV. So usually most of the companies do plus or minus a certain amount of hours from that ALV, and that is the normal credit window. That is the credit window that most line bidders will probably fall into. Um, if you do not use a set condition for a minimum credit window or a maximum credit window, or uh, if you, let's just say you bid the maximum credit window and it could no longer award you that um, in that desired window, you would be awarded in to the normal credit window. So these are some of the normal credit windows across the industry. Frontier uses their ALV plus or minus seven, Spirits plus or minus seven, never above 90 hours, never below 69. Alaska will be using plus or minus seven, never below 70. Delta is now plus or minus 10 hours, never to exceed 91.5. And JetBlue is plus or minus seven, never above 90, never below 70. So you can see across most of the industry, um, we're seeing plus or minus seven as um, a normal credit window um, that is desirable. Minimum and maximum credit windows. A range of credit time that can be preferenced in PBS and anything outside of the normal credit window must be preferenced, cannot be forced onto a pilot. You can't be forced into the maximum credit window and you cannot be forced into the minimum credit window. It is all preference. But just know that if it can't build you a legal line in those minimum or maximum, you will remain in the normal credit window. It's available, uh, both the minimum and maximum are based on seniority and you have to use a set condition preference for that window. 
And again, if you cannot hold the minimum or maximum window, you will be awarded in the normal credit window. So the minimum maximum credit windows across the industry, um, Frontier uses their ALV plus or minus 14 hours, never below 74 and a half hours. Spirit uses plus or minus seven, never above 90. Alaska has uh, decided to do their max credit window is unlimited. Their minimum credit window is minus 14, but never below 69. Delta is using plus or minus 10 hours. And then Delta is also adding a mid credit window of plus or minus five if people want to kind of more limit, you know, where their credit is going to fall. So it gives them more choices. NAMBLU doesn't currently have that programmed into their program and they're building that for Delta. Uh, right now. And then JetBlue is plus or minus seven. Historic line value. Historic line value is used across the industry and it um, routinely is the 12 bid period, the 12 month bid period rolling average of the planned ALV for a position. So it's basically taking the last 11 months, usually it's the last 11 months plus the planned bid month and coming up with a historic line value. And it's used to prevent the company from building lines to high credit value for too many months in a rolling year. So let's just say like Frontier, so their um, 87 is the top of their ALV. A historic line value is used so that they can't run 87 hours for the entire year. So usually historic line values are a lesser number so that it has to balance out throughout the year to plan for months that have more flying and months that have less flying. So you can see um, this is across the industry. Um, it, for reference, some of the companies use trailing line value or targeted line value in place of historic line value, but um, it's all kind of means the same. So see uh, here, excuse me, here we see that Frontier uses 87 to 84. So just as an example for them and their ALV, the top of their ALV is 87. That means for every month that they run an ALV of 87 hours, they have to run the equal amount of months at 81 hours to come up with 84 as their historic line value. And that, uh, like I said, that stops the company from running red hot all year long. Um, Spirit, you see at 75 to 82. Alaska will be using 74 to 83. Delta is 73 to 78 now. And JetBlue is 77 to 84 and a half. Before we, uh, before I move on, just, I know the question's gonna come, <laughs> what numbers are we looking at? And right now, since we're in active negotiations with the company, um, those are still in discussions. We're just trying to show you today what the numbers are across the industry, so you have an idea of where your peers and, um, and other airlines are falling on the scales, and so that you can Choose accordingly when this goes out to vote for the pilot group um, on what your expectations of your schedules should look like.
All right, so another um, concept that's kind of new in PBS is this idea of reduced lower limit lines. Um, this is available to pilots who are on the cusp of holding a regular line or a reserve line. And if for some reason their schedule cannot be built to a legal line in the normal credit window, but it could be built to a lower amount of credit and they're okay with that instead of being on reserve, they can opt in to a reduced lower limit line. And this is all voluntary and it cannot be forced on a pilot. Um, they do not come with minimum monthly guarantee. You would, uh, your guarantee would be whatever you're awarded and um, cannot be forced and you have to preference them in order to hold them. But also know that some companies have these and some do not. So we um, thought these were a good idea um, because then if somebody would rather have a little less credit but have a line instead of sitting reserve, they have the choice to do that. Know that these may not be available every month and there will be a minimum credit um, associated with them, but they are an idea that we are um, open to so that people have more of a choice to instead of sitting in reserve. Um, these would not be available um, to anyone kind of outside of that cusp area. They're, they're not really something that you can bid into if you're senior. Reserve lines, um, as we get further into this educational, uh, the educational presentations, we'll have more um, information about how reserve lines are handled. But just know now that they are built concurrently with regular lines. So when you're bidding, know that you can set up um, your bid according to like, I want to be a line holder. I don't want to be a line holder or I want to be a line holder only if, but then reserve if I can't, yada, yada. So a pilot wishing to have a particular weekend off may preference a regular line with that weekend off. And if you can't give me that, then give me a reserve line with that weekend off. And then if you can't even give it to me on reserve, then I want to go back to being a regular line holder so that I can um, avoid reserve if possible. But like I said, we'll have more information on how the reserve stuff works in a, in a future presentation. So that's kind of what we have for today. Um, like I said, we're not, we're not really getting into specifics of numbers or um, uh, specifics of the negotiating at the table. Um, we just want you guys to see kind of what the industry is um, is looking like and, and how our potential uh, LOA could stack up against everyone else. Uh, so I guess now we can take questions if anybody has any. Hey, Katie, it's Will. Hey, can just uh, real quick, can you or Tim just uh, maybe elaborate a little bit on the kind of the importance of those credit windows and, and kind of what it drives, especially in terms of things like days off and the like? Um, sure. Um, Tim, you want to take that? Um, yeah. Not sure what angle to go with it, um, Will. So, what do you can you elaborate a little bit more on your question? Um, well, yeah, I guess you know the I guess the just kind of in a 
in a broad sense, you know, why is it important that we have a kind of, you know, why are those windows where they're at? Um, and a lot of these other properties as opposed to being 95, which is what we're used to seeing in terms of kind of our, our average line values, I guess. Put it that way. Yeah. It's, um, it's just kind of how the system ends up working. A lot of the algorithm logic, um, kind of dictates that, um, it just can't build everybody to 93 hours. And actually the algorithm kind of, um, biases in the middle range seniority to probably be under what the projected average line value is going to be. And so therefore, um, when you get to building the junior lines, um, you can't build them to those higher amounts because that's probably the inefficient flying. And so really the system can't come up with a solution for legal lines for as many line holders as there need to be. Um, if you have an average line value that's say at 95 hours like what we currently um, can do it's not average but we can build lines currently to 95 hours um, but you wouldn't be able to do that in pbs for these reasons just because of the way the algorithm works and some country can't ask nav blue really to reprogram how the algorithm works um, short of spending a ton of money to you know have them completely rewrite the code for the software um, so that's kind of what they're going to have to sit with um, so yeah, for the system to basically be able to build legal lines for everyone, the numbers kind of have to fall down in that mid eighties range, um, for, for an average, um, some people may be lower than that, especially if you get some mid credit window bidders, um, and some people may be higher if they want more credit and bid for that max credit window, but really to get the average to where the system is really going to all things being equal, um, build legal lines, it's got to be kind of in that mid 80s range. Um, and really, it doesn't work much higher than that. At least that's what we're told by our peers. So. Right. Yeah, and thanks. Go ahead, Katie. Sorry. It, it helps clarify it for me, I think, a little bit to think about it that way. Well, and I think the kind of the misunderstanding from most folks is that this, this isn't like plug and play. You can't just unplug from line bidding and plug into PBS and and call it good. There are a lot of things that need to accommodate um, language and functionality and the, the algorithm, et cetera, in order to make it a successful system. Yeah, sure. All right. And in a line bidding world, you know, a human is creating the lines um, so they can shuffle things around to make it work so that you can potentially build a lot of 95 hour credit lines when there's no human involved and it's just an algorithm and it's got to follow these set of rules that the algorithm follows. Um, you can't feasibly really get to those higher numbers. Um, and that's why all the other airlines, when you saw those charts on this presentation, that's why all those other airlines are really you know, the ALV, the top end is really like 84, 85, 83, 87 Frontier. But even Frontier has told us 87 doesn't really work. You can't really get to solutions. It's got to be closer to 85 or even a little bit under 85. So. Well, and I think that's why you also saw Spirit come down from, what was it, 90, Tim, to 84? Yeah, they're not. They're they had a line bidding world of ninety, um, and when they got PBS, um, their top end became the top end of ALV became eighty four hours, and that's just because, 
in a line bidding world, a human is building the lines and a human can move things around to get to a 90 hour line um, and build many 90 hour lines. But when you have an algorithm doing it and there's all these other constraints, then it's got to be down at that 84 range, which is what Spirit has, 72 to 84 there. Yeah, got it. All right, thank you. Any other questions? Anyone? <laughs> oh, okay, I see Brian. I saw your hand. Your hand all right yeah i got i got one or two um if this is for a different uh call then just let me know um as far as the um are you going to cover the, the the bidding window timeline and so forth in a future call uh, or is that something that maybe i missed on the last one i wasn't able to make it to there there was a little discussion about the timeline um we didn't really give specifics, um, okay. but so right now the timeline, how it's going to fall is um, first we start with the vacation adjustment period, which is um, could encompass like VRDs or shifting vacation or any of that. And that's usually, you know, in the in the 20th to the 27th somewhere around their time frame is uh, kind of what we're what we're looking at and what other airlines use um the training bid window um would fall after that like the beginning we're you know a couple first week or so of the month and then um monthly bidding will open we have to have a couple of days obviously to to calculate the ALV and the staffing and all that um, to set up for the bid packages to go out with the numbers and then the bidding will open, you know. Most places it opens within like the first week to the first 15 days or so, somewhere in there. Um, and then you have the line processing, which most airlines use three to five days and then schedules come out. So we might have a, a system where the schedules will come out via nav blue, but because of AIMS and how long sometimes things take to load into AIMS, they may come out via nav blue but not be loaded into AIMS and you know for 24 to 48 hours. So without getting into specifics, because we're still discussing a lot of that, um, that's about the time frame. So we are anticipating that the bid timeline will move up. Got it. Uh, other question was slightly related. I, I understand you guys have had a little bit of a chance to sort of um, uh, play around with the uh, the demo software. Is that right? That's correct. But the demo software is programmed for uh, kind of the current CBA stuff and not all of it applies correctly gotcha. and not all of it was programmed oh, sure. correctly. So we're kind of just, the company wanted to run, you know, start running tests on this system that isn't agreed to. And um, that's fine if they want to learn more about the system, but there will be, uh, we anticipate official testing after the final programmed um, 
is final programming is released and then we'll be able to see the full system as as uh intended any any opportunity to look at the um the the app yet the you know the offline usability and all that um so there isn't an app there is it's a web based system but you can you know do it on your ipads and stuff um uh there's no ability for the general pilot group because um since it isn't fully programmed and it isn't operating sure, as intended that. yeah we we just we would like it to be correct so we're not doing negative learning um with something that isn't no i wasn't asking that i was just asking if you've had a chance to see how it works on the iPad. oh yeah 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 yep elpa and the company have yeah we've had a chance to see it and we're we're participating in this testing as as uh, a participant just to like help give guidance and and give input when we can so but yes we awesome. have seen yeah cool all right that's all i had okay anyone else tim do you have anything that you want to add that i neglected to mention no, I think you covered everything that I um, can think of and that we kind of had planned for talking today. Um, yeah, just trying to get the info out there of kind of how the other airlines do it, what NABLU seem, seems to function in kind of a pretty common way, um, 85 hours-ish for at top end of the average line value. And um, the credit windows, I mean, really, it's industry standard, as you can see right there, plus or minus seven hours for that normal credit window. And by the way, everybody, like Katie said, who doesn't bid for min or max would have to fall within that normal credit window. Um, it just depends on how your preferences play out as it builds up your flying. It may actually be a little bit under um, what the target, which would be ALV, would be, or it may be over. Just kind of depends on the preferences that you put in. Um, but how it adds up to it. And then, um, yeah, the windows really are generally standard. I mean, the min-max here is a little bit different across the industry, but, um, you know, the system kind of runs similarly at all the other airlines, um, and we're expecting ours to be in that same ballpark. Anything, anybody else? And again, so this this information will be um, available uh, on the podcast and on the YouTube channel um, once it's vetted and uh, made sure everything's legit to post publicly. Um, so, but we do, you know, we we welcome questions and and um, we're we're preparing more information to get into greater detail on some of the other topics that that we know you guys are wondering about. So um, yeah, we're just we're just working uh, working through it with the company and and trying to get the best possible um, PBS that we can get for you guys. That sounds right. good. Thanks, Katie. Um, I think we're on uh, two week kind of a two week cycle seems to be working. Is that right? Was that what your plan was as well? Yeah, uh, I think the next one then would be planned, what, for the 27th, if I've got my dates right. And um, yeah, we'll kind of go through like a short review of what we talked about today, and then we'll get into the next kind of hot topic for 
for uh, for understanding on the 27th. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be really good. Well, we'll get it. We'll get this posted and get that out and then we'll uh, uh, get some comms out, let everybody know when the next one is and uh, folks can tune in. Um, it's good to get this review um, like we've talked about on the first one. Um, you know, we, the purpose really is to just build a shared base of knowledge here so everybody knows what a kind of normal standardized or standard industry standard PBS system looks like. And once we get a letter that uh, uh, with the company that we can put out for ratification, people will know what they're voting on. So that is the plan. Yeah, we really appreciate the guys, uh, the work that uh, you've done, Katie and Tim. Um, you all have done yeoman's work on getting PBS this far along. So thank you so much. All right. That's all I got. I don't know. Kevin, you want to take us out? Yeah. Let's uh, let's say goodbye, and we'll see everybody in two weeks. 